Hi, and welcome to the Directors UK podcast. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was one of 2019's best-loved films, gaining critical raves and a bucket full of Oscar nominations. You can imagine, then, that we were thrilled to host director Quentin Tarantino at a special screening and Q&A, moderated by the masterful Danny Boyle. In front of a packed audience at the Prince Charles Cinema, Quentin spoke to Danny about casting the movie, improvisation on set, and gave us an insight into his writing process. The night was an absolute feast for film lovers. We hope you enjoy listening in. You guys saw it on film, right? Yeah. All right, good on you. <laughs> this is the Prince Charles, so you <laughs> see stuff that's wonderful. So, so when it, when when I was kind of. It, when they asked me to do this, uh, I immediately uh, went and watched the one before, yeah, yeah. number eight, mm-hmm. and um, the hateful eight, and that is a brutal, a brilliant, yeah. but a brutal mm-hmm. kind of experience of a kind of an antechamber to hell and yeah. these unredeemable and irredeemable characters. Yeah, the uh, the title is not metaphoric; it is literal. <laughs> How do you gang get to this? For, for, apart from that last scene, that extraordinary yeah. denouement, uh-huh. um, how do you make such a beautiful, warm, tender body movie about a dog <laughs> and about <laughs> Brad Pitt's relationship with a dog? And, and it's so tender, the film. Uh, so tender. Oh, thanks. Well, um, um, well I, uh, <laughs> I think I got a lot of... The the bile out of my system when I did Hateful Eight. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I meant that to be this kind of ugly, grueling experience. It's the only, uh, that's the only script I ever wrote angry. <laughs> and I just poured it all onto the page. Now, oddly enough, I had, the, I had such a fun time making it, you know, but the writing of it was just <laughs> And um, uh, so I got it, uh, you know, so I, I got that all out. And you know, almost, it's never meant to be this way, but it always kind of happens is whatever whatever the next story is, it's usually a response it's usually an opposite response to the last story. I'm usually trying to do something different than the last one. you know it, whether it is structurally different or emotionally different, uh, okay, if if that one was chapter based and the next one's more linear, I mean you know whatever whatever the deal is. And so uh, um, you know, so the, uh, but also, you know, um, they w- were both kind of based on uh, experiences that I had had in the past. So I was kind of dealing with a painful experience on Hateful Eight. And in the case of this, I was remembering 1968, being eight years old in 1968 in Los Angeles at that time when I was eight years old. And so it was. It was very beautiful. <laughs> it was very sweet, and was and was actually kind of written from an eight-year-old perspective. I mean, to me, the most personal shot in the whole movie is that one shot where you see Brad driving the Carmen Ghia, and he's he's driving driving by all the signs. Yeah. All right, and um, well, my stepdad, who who I spent a lot of time with, he was a piano bar musician, so he was available during the day. So he took care of me during the day while my mom was at work. 
and uh, he drove a Carmen Ghia just like that. It was that color and everything. And that angle looking up at Brad is pretty much my angle at eight years old looking up at my father as he would, as he would drive. That, that was the view that I had if I looked at him driving. Yeah. And that was the kind of shit I would see. Yeah. You know, Earl Shives or Vandy Cam, Windmill, and that stuff. And there's a wonderful, the, 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 the feeling of television is extraordinary because we are obviously at the moment in the, um, especially as, as filmmakers, we're in an extraordinary situation of a very different relationship with television is beginning. Yeah, yeah. But then your relationship with television was more than movies. We know a lot about your relationship with movies yeah, yeah, yeah. from a, after you were eight, a bit, yeah, yeah, a bit yeah, later. Yeah. But then it was television, yeah? Well, it's like, oh, well, yeah. But that's for, for uh, uh, I mean, I, I actually went to the movies then, too. Actually, I remember um, 1969 was the year of the love bug, <laughs> you know? And that was definitely my favorite movie that year. Uh, uh, um, now, I think it would be The Wild Bunch. But then it was The Love Bug. Uh, but, um, but the thing about it, though, was, uh, I, I mean, again, it's one of the things that uh, um, I think grounds it in a memory piece is as, as opposed to um, looking at it from a historical perspective now where I would like be dealing more with the counterculture and more with maybe the Vietnam War and all that stuff and I'm trying to, trying to rope in all that aspect. It's just drowns in the stuff that I would have been interested in, in at eight. That is the stuff that I remember. That is the stuff that I uh, uh, that I have a memory of, and that I would have been drawn and interested to, interested in. All right, would be you know the songs on the radio, the 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 the, the commercials on the radio, all the the different TV shows and the different uh, reruns that they used to show, and the commercials that they used to show, and you know uh, uh, the TV guide ads, the bus stops, you know uh, uh, all the all the signs and posters and everything that are featured. Yeah, you know, there was there was a lot more boring crap out there at that day, but I'm not, that's not what I remembered. I remember the movie posters. I rem I, that's the stuff I remembered. <laughs> is and is all that real? Or, oh, yeah. or, or is some of it CG? Oh, no, no none, none of it's CG. <laughs> none of it's CG. That's cheating, mate. <laughs> so even the, one, even the ones on the hillside, even the, even the ones, um, even the big ones. Are, are oh, yeah. Like, How fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, um, yeah, we, uh, uh, but it was, it was really sweet. Paramount let us, like, we, we, uh, uh, Paramount let us uh, uh, use Paramount and, and put those posters up. They go, and they go, okay, but you can't make it Paramount, all right? You're making the movie for Columbia. Just say it's Columbia, all right? You know? So we put those posters up there. <laughs> but tell us, um, so how did the idea start? Did it start with the end? Or did it start with these oh. characters? Were, were, I heard you wrote it as a novel to begin with. Yeah, I started writing it as a novel. Um, it did start with the end. All right, uh, uh, I, I, I did think, uh, I had heard of a, a stuntman character from somebody, all right, that was this real badass guy that I'd heard about. And, uh, I yeah, and, and so I kind of put two and two together. So the first idea was, well, what if those hippies broke into another house that night and, uh, and uh, you know, picked the wrong house to, bump uh, break into uh, so I did think about that um, so I but you know okay well I can't really remember which uh, they were so close to each other I'm not sure which was in front of the other one but where I got the kind of the idea of the relationship was I was directing a thing and it and it had an older actor in it who'd been around for a while and I, I was directing him 
and he had a stunt guy, a regular stunt guy, but w we didn't really need him on the movie, and so we weren't using him. And then he came to me one day, the actor, and he said, you know, I got a guy, I've kind of been working with him for the last like 12 years or so, and I haven't bugged you about it because we don't really need him on this, but there's that one gag coming up on Thursday, and you know, he could do that. So uh, <laughs> you know, if you wouldn't mind, it, it would be nice. You know, oh yeah, sure, no worries, bring him down. So he came down for one day, and, um, and like it was obvious that they had been working together for 11 years, and you could tell that there was a time that this guy probably looks so much like the actor that you could have shot close-ups with him. <laughs> now, not so much. <laughs> now, not so much, all right? But there was an aspect of, uh, and also it was actually kind of funny because this stunt guy, he was not working for me. <laughs> he was working for that actor. But the thing about it was is, you know, like I said, you could tell that they were buddies and friends and they'd spent many times on sets together, you know, uh, 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 you know talking shit and everything. And so, um, there was a moment where I was kind of just sitting on a box or something and, and wa looked at them across the set and one guy's dressed in his costume and then the other guy's dressed in the identical <laughs> outfit and they're both sitting in director's chairs and they're just sitting there just, you know, uh, chewing the fat, talking like you imagine they've done on a zillion different movies together. And, and I just kind of watched the dynamic between the two guys in their, in their matching outfits talking to each other and, uh, and I go, that's an interesting relationship. That's an interesting relationship. If I ever do a movie about Hollywood, which I always kind of wanted to do one of these days, or a movie about filmmaking that I always wanted to do, that would be a good way inside. That would be a good, good story to tell. And a fading actor? Was that was that uh, always a, you know someone who was clearly no that came up <coughs> to me that that came to that came to me you know that was like probably the third the, the, the next third step yeah. that I had come up with all right but first just the idea of of, of uh, telling a story through that dynamic of uh, you know and it's and it's and it's an interesting dynamic because on one hand they are really good friends you know and like I I don't even know if Rick would say that Cliff is his best friend but he is. <laughs> But he doesn't 100% think that because he works for him. Yeah. And someone says the same thing with Cliff, but yet, you know, they're the ones that are in each other's lives that long. And, but at the same time, one works for the other one. So there is this, uh, uh, it, it's not an equal friendship. Yeah. And, but it's, but it's also true. It's, it, it's true and pure nevertheless. But, but I actually liked all of those dichotomies of, uh, uh, but yet the purity survives. Now, and, and that also even happened over the course of the, over the course of writing it. I mean, um, I think when I started out, I actually thought that maybe Cliff thought, I mean, Rick is kind of an ass. And so I actually thought that, that, that Cliff thought Rick, I mean, I'm Rick, Cliff's not an ass. Cliff has his own problems, all right? But Rick's kind of an ass, all right? I think Cliff thought Rick was more of an ass and my, my as I first started writing it. And actually, I think Cliff does think Rick is an ass, but he still likes him anyway. <laughs> he's, he's, he's learned to care for him. Yeah. Um, tell us about, one of the things that, we're, this is Directors UK. So one of the things I really wanted to ask you is about the, do you do a director's pass? What on, does that mean? Yeah. Because like, I normally work with writers, so the, 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 the script is a script. Oh, I know what you mean, yeah. And do you do, 
So like when, like say, the, so the top shots, which are very important in it, you know, that yeah. scene on the roof and the, when you float on the rooftops and then that, because obviously you're setting up that ending, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, which is the transformation. Suddenly you're just seeing so incon inconspicuously, you're seeing mm -hmm. history rewritten by the power of storytelling to change darkness yeah. into lies. Yeah. And um, d is that in your mind when you write it or do you, d do you come to that as a director thinking, how will I do that scene? Um, well, that is a... Um, that's a good question. Uh, the thing about it is, um, okay, in particularly for the shot you're talking about, like b both of those two big shots, either when it's uh, uh, Rick in the swimming pool, and then it goes over the house, and you see Sharon and Roman come out, and the same thing with the end shot. That was always meant to be that way. That's how I saw the. Sh that's how I saw it in my mind, and I described it that way in the script when I wrote it. So in those two instances, those are instances, okay, we have to do it and we have to do it this way. That was literally how I saw it in my, my brain when I thought of it and I even wrote it that way uh, in the script. But so if a shot, if, 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 a, if you know, like you can have a scene where you, you, know, you decide later like, oh wow, maybe I could do this as a, as, as a one-er. That could be really neat and everything like that. And so you, can, you come to that later, but every once in a while, I'll see the shot in my brain as I come up with it. And then that's how I see it, and so I describe that down. But almost all the rest of the shots, they happen later. So the Bruce Lee scene, yeah. that one shot, Mm -hmm. Which is just developed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you cover that? Did you? Did you oh cover no, no, no. <laughs> That's cheating. You're either gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. You're gonna go for it or you're not gonna go yeah. for it. And also, I'm not gonna waste fucking time. All right, you know, shooting. I mean, the the one thing about doing a wonder is you don't have to do 20 yeah, different yeah, setups. Yeah, all right, <laughs> you can just do it. All right. But no, but we actually, we, but we rehearsed it. I mean, to the point where it's like you know, even before we started shooting, uh, during pre-production, we found where we were going to shoot the scene. And go, look, we can't be figuring out what the fuck we're going to do uh, uh, on the day. We'll, ne we'll never get it done. So, and, you know, and we had a budget, so I was, uh, you know, I was able to do this. Um, we went, uh, you know, without the, you know, w we went to that location. We had the actors. We had the, f the, the, the fight guys there. And, uh, we had, and we had our grips, and we had our camera crew, and we had a crane. <laughs> And I had the idea, and I walked them through it, what I was thinking about, and then we started monkeying around with the crane to see could we pull it off. And, you know, and, you know, and so, it's, so I'm walking it through as a phantom, but always trying to remember where the ass of the crane is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so cause that's, that's, you know, you, you know, you know, the camera part can go anywhere you want, but that ass has got to go somewhere too. All right, so you always got to be thinking about that. So you're always going like this. Okay, so the camera goes like this, and the ass is like this, and it goes like this, and like that. So you always got to think about that. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, but, but it, was, it was cool. We worked it out, you know. And there was a couple of things that uh, you know you can't do that. All right. So, but then we figured out what we could do, and we figured it out. And then the whole thing was like, you know, then it rises up to its top position just before Bruce Lee does his big jump. And then once it gets to the top position, then we cut it out from the film. But then I go one, two, three. You know, and one means Bruce <laughs> starts moving, and the camera and the crane starts moving in, and two he's in the air, and three they land. <laughs> so the line, there's a great line in there. You're a bit pretty, aren't you? Quite pretty for a stuntman, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something like that. That doesn't. That you didn't write that line. That line. No, 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 no. I didn't write that line at all. Uh, uh, and and Brad really is kind of against. <laughs> uh, 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 
he's against people talking about how good looking he is in movies. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the thing about it was um, I had initially cast uh, uh, Burt Reynolds as uh, George Spawn. And so I uh, sent him the script. He was the only one who actually got a copy of the script. And I sent him the script in Florida, and he read it. And, and part of the reason I wanted him to read it was because, you know, this is his era. You know, he knows all these actors, and he knows these directors and everything. And, and uh, so I wanted to hear what he thought of how I, how I, how I did with the era. And so we're talking, and, and then um, he goes, so, so, so you got Brad Pitt as the stuntman, right? <laughs> and I go, yeah. He goes, okay, well. You gotta have the line. <laughs> You're kind of pretty for a stuntman. <laughs> and because it was Burt, Red because of Burt, because Burt Reynolds came up with the line, Brad couldn't say shit. <laughs> he let it stand. <laughs> he had just bit his tongue. <laughs> so tell us about tell us about the two. Tell us about Brad and and Leo and casting them. How how do you cast you you? You, you you send it to them or you get them well it was uh, in this case I wasn't really letting the script out of my house so they both had to come to my house to read it you know and um, and you know I, it was like I, you know, I'd worked with both of them before so I had a nice in and they both really like they both like me and they both like my stuff so if they're not busy they're inclined to want to investigate it yeah. and uh, so uh, uh, um, and Leo was actually kind of a neighbor. He's just down the street a little bit. So he came down to the house, and, and then he read the script, and, and, uh, and Brad came down, and he read the script. And, you know, at, and it wasn't 100% uh, at first, because, I, one, I didn't, one, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to get both of them to say yes to it. I mean, like, to get the casting coup of the decade, you don't work from that assumption. I was hoping to get one or the other, yeah. and uh, and and like if it's gonna be Leo, it's it's it, he's gonna play Rick, but Brad could play Rick or Cliff, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, so it was a conversation. It was a conversation to see what what the situation was, and and the thing about it is. They had to go together. Now, in this case, like Brad and Leo worked really perfect as a, a, a an actor and, and a stunt double. And, and I mean, it really works perfect because one, you can imagine them. You can imagine them uh, 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 as a stunt. You can imagine, uh, you know, uh, Brad doubling for Leo. But also, you know, a stunt double is usually about ten years older than the actor anyway. Yeah. So there's even that aspect works works really good. But like I said, I couldn't. I couldn't just assume that it was all going to work out. So whoever was going to play Rick and Cliff, it was a, they had to be, a, you know, uh, uh, they had to work as a team. You had to imagine them as, uh, as a team. So, uh, you know, so I had to have, uh, if if it was going to be Brad or if it was going to be or Leo, I had to have about like you know three or four other options. <laughs> That who could have been who, who could be their partner in it if things if if that didn't work out or this didn't work out or you know, whatever the deal was. But then like you know, I never had to go to anybody else. All right, it just ended up working out. <laughs> but I couldn't count on that. I, I didn't no. write it thinking I'm going to get Brad and Leo. I mean that would just be ridiculous to think that. <laughs> <laughs> do you rehearse with them? Oh but, yeah, yeah. But 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 uh, but set before you go on set, do you, are you rehearsing at home? Like when you read it, do you read it t through together and rehearse? No, it? we didn't do that. No, I have a two-week rehearsal period. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I have a two-week rehearsal period, uh, and in this case, it was uh, we didn't go to any locations. I, I've done this before though, where it's like uh, um, 
like a week in a rehearsal room and then a week on locations, like shooting. But we didn't really have to do that on this. So this was like just two weeks in, in, in our rehearsal space, yeah. you know. And so we did our two weeks in our rehearsal, and, uh, and then we went and shot it. Uh, and, and by the way, it's like uh, um, Burt Reynolds actually did end up playing George Spahn, just not on film, all right? He came, he, we, we rehearsed, we had the rehearsal day, yeah. So Burt Reynolds came down and, and he played George Spahn with me, with Brad and, and, uh, uh, and with uh, Dakota. And, uh, and so we had that, and he was at the script reading <laughs> when we had our big script reading. You know, so, he, so he actually ended up playing George, he only, but we're the only ones that got to see it. <laughs> And, and did you have Pussycats crew, the, the, the kind of Spawn Ranch crew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, were they all in rehearsal for? Uh, um, yeah, that was actually, that's an interesting question, actually. Uh, um, I only really, the answer is no, all right? Oh, well, the answer is yes and no, all right? Because um, in a rehearsal space, I'm really only rehearsing, like, the kind of dramatic scenes that you would, like, rehearse, like, on, on in theater or something. So, uh, um, you know, so I, we'd, I definitely rehearsed with, with Brad and Margaret, all right, who was playing Pussycat and stuff. But then I had uh, a day or a couple of days where I just got together with uh, uh, the Manson kids. And we just talked, and we talked about everyone's background, and I gave everyone, you know, the ones who didn't have a name, I gave them a name. And then we, and, and then we just, uh, uh, we, we just, we, we, we experienced it. <laughs> We talked about how they came into the family. We brought them all together. And then, and more than I've ever seen any other group of actors in my life, especially the girls, but also the guy playing Clem, too, um, they became best friends. All, I mean, they became, a, they literally became a family. And so they went off on their own. When they weren't working, they were hanging out with each other. And they were talking, and they were behaving. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, actors say they're going to do that, and they don't do that shit, you know? It's like, as soon as they get out of the room, they fucking forget about everything, all right? And go clubbing or whatever, DJing at a fucking local bar, all right? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> not them. And, like, you know, all that touchy-feely, touchy-feely, uh, 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 way that they, they would like link fingers and hold each other and hug each other and all that. That was all them. Yeah. That was all them. But, you know, they did so much research uh, on the Manson family and watched so much stuff. And we watched stuff together, too. And I, I gave them stuff to watch and we watched stuff together. Um, that, you know, and also I think some of them were already really kind of like uh, enamored with the, with the mythology of the Manson family anyway, which is n not unusual in Los Angeles. That is a thing in Los Angeles for young, young people. And uh, they were so like into it that like, I mean, I didn't have to direct any of that. They just did that all on their own. I didn't tell Lena Dunham, oh, I want you to grab Margaret like this and I want you to do this and I want you, no, they just did it. They just action and they did it. Tell it's the great it's a great scene that ranch scene is a great scene. I it's one, I think it's one of the my favorite scenes I've ever done. Yeah. It's like uh, it's uh, it's uh, I think it's scary. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Do you let them improvise? Do you let them add material? The the actors. How do you feel about if you're having a rehearsal like a two week period? Yeah, yeah. Presumably you, we know what actors are like. They'll yeah, yeah, they'll yeah, have uh, ideas or mm -hmm. some of them will do. Mm -hmm. Do you let them contribute to it? Uh well it's um the answer is uh, the answer is yes and no. All right, you know, uh, um, they got to do the scene the way I wrote. 
All right. And, and, you know, usually the scene doesn't really need a whole lot of improvisation. So I want to nail it the way it is. But look, if they have a, but, but I'm really, you know, they come up with something funny. Absolutely. They come up with something good. They have a neat idea. Somebody brings up something. All right. Uh, especially in rehearsal or even when we're running through it at the beginning of the day. Because we usually have a run through before I send them into the chair at the beginning of the day before we get going. And, uh, and they go, well, you know, I was thinking about or this, or they bring up an issue, and then maybe I throw a line at them, or they come up with something. And if it's good, absolutely yes. The thing is, though, I personally, I think a good 65% of the time when people, what people call improvisation is just adding ums and ahs, all right, to your dialogue, or just cursing. <laughs> and and uh, so if you have a better idea, that's great. But if you're just improvising because you were too damn lazy to learn the dialogue, that's not great. That's, I'm mad. <laughs> do you tell them, do you, do you get, because one of the extraordinary things about your films is that they're all, I mean, it's hard. I'm sure you've probably got a, pre, a, pr a private list of people you were disappointed in, in their roles, but I haven't spotted it. I've watched them all, and they're extraordinary, the performances. Do you, is that casting, or is that you clipping them into your universe, or is it just? It's both. It's both. It's both. It's like, uh, 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 you know, casting is a, is, you know, is a giant part of it. If you cast it right, you know, um, you know, uh, that that goes a long way, you know. Uh, if you cast the right actor in the right role, and you know, and the right dynamic, and the right, you know, uh, they have the right dynamic for what you want to do. They have the right dynamic for your set. They have the right dynamic for the way you work, or you know, that that goes a long way. And now, and then I, you know, and I direct them, you know, throughout. I'm 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 rather hands-on, not giving them line readings or anything like that. But I'm, I've done that. But <laughs> I, I I try to avoid that if I can, you know. Uh, um, and actually, I mean, it used to be, it was funny, because actually it used to be when I started off acting, uh, 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 giving line readings was like, was actors hated that. It was like the worst thing you could do. Now they actually want it. They actually, well, yeah, just tell me what you want, all right? You know? <laughs> yeah, we can, I can, we can go through 15 different versions of it, but just tell me what the one, the one that's in your head. You wrote it, you know? Uh, but you know, where, where does the italics go, you know? Um, but the thing is, though, uh, uh, so it, it so it, it's a combo. Do you meet the actors, or is it tapes people send to you? Do you meet them in the room? You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, I uh, I try to meet them in the room. However, I think uh, to my detriment, I've gotten I I uh, I've I, in some cases I started relying more on on getting the tapes, and I think that's that's laziness on my part. <laughs> I think that's a that's that's bad news. I think that is just a, a, a laziness that kind of develops at a, at a certain amount of time, and uh, uh, and I never used to do that before, and uh, and kind of and uh, and I and I saw the the, the the wrongness of it this time in particular, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Was um, I think one of the best performances in the movie is Margaret Qualley as uh, a pussycat in this film. I think she's she's amazing, and it's like. Um, it's like she stepped off the page, you know. It, I, it's it's a performance that's it's um. To me, it's similar to the way Shiaki Kitamaru was in Kill Bill as Gogo, -Go, where it's like she just kind of understood the character. She knew exactly what was supposed to be there. Uh, but my first go round 
with uh, getting the tapes and, and looking at everybody. And, and it was funny because the, the situation, and I'll, I'll go into more about this casting thing about the Manson kids because it's actually kind of interesting when I finish this, is, um, uh, but when you get those tapes of them doing a scene, you can't help but kind of look at it like, like you're watching an acting class, all right? And so it's like this person does, the, you know, you see nine people do the same scene, and okay, who won the scene? You kind of think like that. And I didn't call her back the first time, my, the first group. She didn't, because she, she didn't win the scene. <laughs> you know, other people won the scene. She didn't win the scene. And so she wasn't in my first go-round of bringing people back. And then I was going to use one person, and then it just kind of didn't work out. So then I had to kind of go back, and I was happy with some of the people I had, but I had to go back to, like, well, let me just, let me go back to the tapes all over again and look at them. And then when I came across Margaret the second time, and literally, like, a month later, <laughs> or four weeks, I wait a, a month, yeah, okay, when I came to Margaret a month later and watched it again, now I could see what she was doing. She wasn't trying to win the scene. It wasn't a, it, she, you know, it wasn't an acting class. It wasn't a, a beginning, middle, and end. It was just, it was behavior. It was all behavior. It was just behavior, behavior, behavior. There was no dramatic, it wasn't a, she wasn't telling a dramatic story. It was just behavior. And it knocked me out. And I didn't see it at all the first time. Because now I'm a little bit more desperate. <laughs> And now I'm looking deeper into it. I'm not, I'm not, entertain me, all right? I was, uh, and, and, I, and I could see it, and it was amazing. And then, um, and the thing is, like, everything that happens in kind of that third act epilogue that happens in August, um, I never let that out. So nobody, uh, 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 that, that actually never left the office because uh, we didn't want it to get out. So when it came to me auditioning uh, the other Manson kids, I couldn't give them any of those scenes. So what I did is, uh, the, the two scenes I could give out would be uh, the squeaky scene at the, f at the, s at the uh, uh, screen door and, uh, um, and pussycat scene in the car with, with, with uh, Cliff. So I had everybody read those scenes, and the idea was uh, they'd read those scenes and then I would see, okay, is she a Sadie? Is she a Katie? Is she a, is she a gypsy? Is she a this? Is she a that? And so that's what it was, you know, and so I, so I kind of made my list, and I'd have them come in, and then in lieu of giving them scenes, uh, uh, and, and, and to have them do something else, I said, okay, come in, and come in as your favorite Manson girl, <laughs> and then, um, and either either write me a monologue where you talk to me as that girl or I'm going to interview you <laughs> like you're the Manson girl and you just answer the questions I ask you. And so that was how, that was how I did it. And in the case of Tex and Clem, what I did, because I couldn't give them anything that were serious, um, I gave them the Lancer scene of Johnny Madrid standing up against the guy on the, uh, on the porch. Right. And so I had them do both, I had uh, the, the people I was thinking about for text do both Johnny Madrid and then Business Bob. You know, and that was, the, and from that I could find my text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to admit to you that when we're casting, we use, because we don't want to send out our scripts, we send out your scripts. <laughs> <laughs>
and get people to come in because they love doing your dialogue and you're going to, anyway. That's not true, is it? Pay, you know, it's absolutely true. <laughs> I, I do apologize. I, if I, it, if I, it's a problem. I, my face is crimson. <laughs> so, so tell us about, so, right, right, right. so tell us about the Leo scene. So the, the audience, I was, I was at the back, and this audience loved the scene where he blew his lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Because as directors or people who are involved, you love scenes <laughs> where at, you get you at the moment where actors don't remember their lines, <laughs> which he does brilliantly. Yeah. And then the scene after that. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting thing because it was a situation where, uh, um, uh, frankly, Leo was the brainchild of, of, uh, of that uh, because... In the script, I didn't have him blowing his lines and that whole thing happening. All right, uh, I had him actually kind of pulling off the scene, partly because I I love the idea that I got to do my Hollywood movie and then sneak a western. <laughs> all right, you know, uh, through the back door. Okay, I get to do my third western when no one's looking. All right, uh, almost free of charge. So I had the scene fucking all the way through, and it was just really good. All right, and then. Leo was like, you've almost got this too much of a triumph. I don't think I have anywhere to go. I think I need to, kind of, I need to fuck this up. So there's something for me to go to, and there's a reason why I'm doing that next scene. And I was annoyed by that. And you're, like, you're trying to fuck up my Lancer shit, man. Why don't you just commit to Caleb? Why don't you do that? How about that? Why don't you, you know, the little girl, she knows she's playing two different characters. Why don't you play two different characters? You know, uh, you're, not, you're not thinking about Caleb like a character, and I think you should think of Caleb like a character. You know, but he, he made, he made uh, annoyingly, he made sense, you know. Uh, um, but I wasn't 100% ready to commit to it yet, you know. I go, um, okay, well, we'll do it both ways. We'll do it where you, uh, I'll write it where you fuck it up. I'll write a thing where you fuck it up. But then we're also going to do it all the way through, too, and then I'll use what I want, all right? Uh, but then once he fucked it up, and that, in particular, that take. Once, we, once he did that take, we woo! Oh, you goddamn outlaw, Rick. You goddamn outlaw. You know, you know that one. You know, go back. You know, uh, once he did that, okay, okay well, fuck out. Well, that's going to be in the fucking movie, all right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, okay, we're into it. All right. Um, so then, because the whole trailer scene wasn't written, wasn't written in the script. I go, okay. Well, now we have to, now we have to deal with that. We have to deal with that. So, um, and I go, but I'm not going to write that. I, I think what I, here's what we're going to do. We've got to think about this like Travis Bickle in his apartment, in in Taxi Driver. So what I'm going to do is you're going to have a whole meltdown in your trailer. And you need to improvise it. You need to do it. And uh, there's, not gonna, there's only going to be one setup. I'm not going to switch angles. It's going to be one setup, and I'm just going to do it in jump cuts. And I'll just, uh, we'll, we'll probably do it three times. I'll put a full load in the magazine, and we'll run it until it runs out. And we'll probably do that three times. So I'll have three full takes until the film runs out. And then I'll just jump cut the best parts of it. And, and I want, and, and, and and like De Niro and Taxi Driver, I want you to improvise it. Now, here's the deal, though. I gave him a couple of lines that he could use, and I gave him subject matter, <laughs> things that he could obsess on. <laughs> you know, here are some subjects you can go, and I want you to hop from this subject to that subject to this subject to that subject. So I gave him the subjects to focus in on, but, now, but then it's up to him to do it. 
And so, uh, uh, and you know, every once in a while I'd help him out. All right, you know, so he's like, so I'm behind the camera and he's doing it. And I go, okay, now go off on James Stacy. And that goddamn James Stacy, he's sitting there thinking he's so fucking hot. And I'm like, he wouldn't be a third, he wouldn't be, he couldn't even be a wrangler in my series. You know, okay, now the little, and that fucking little girl, she thinks she's so smug. She's sitting there watching me. All right, you know, and then, then you're a fucking, but I fucked it up, man. You know, what about the director? And he wanted to cast me and he was so into me and now he, I'm fucking humiliating myself and talk about the drink. Oh, every fucking night, every fucking night. <laughs> and, but the thing that was cute about it is Leo was so nervous. He was so nervous that whole day, knowing that that was coming up, all right? And Dad was just, it's going to be great, man. It's going to be cool. It's going to be great. Hey, I didn't have to do shit. I had one angle. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you wanted this, man, all right? <laughs> this is your idea. <laughs> you know? uh, but then he, uh, he pulled it off to a fairly well, and I think it's probably one of his favorite moments it's in the movie. He is absolutely brilliant in the movie. Yeah, and I think yeah. that when people... The reaction to him with the scene with the girl on the chair yeah. was wonderful when he said, what is it, what's the line when he says, this will be you in 15 years? Oh, yeah. yeah right. Which you can barely yeah. hear, but yeah. everybody here got yeah. it. Yeah. You, can, you could feel it. Yeah, in 15 him. years, I'll be living it. Yeah. That was wonderful. <laughs> can we just finish? Because we have to finish. We have to finish. Can we finish with Sharon Tay? I, I thought one of the, because obviously, it must, you must have been nervous about uh, approaching it as material, because mm -hmm. it's obviously very, very sensitive. Yeah, yeah especially given what you wanted to do with it, which is mm. to transform it, right, yeah. really. But the scene of her in the cinema. Oh, yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes I've ever done, actually, yeah. It's so beautiful, and she does that so beautifully. Did you, is, is the, in the way that you put Leo into The Great Escape, did mm. you put her into her movies, or is that? Oh, no, that's the real Sharon. That's all Sharon. Yeah, that's all the real Sharon, yeah. No, I mean, that just seemed disrespectful, <laughs> all right, to, to, uh, 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 put Margot in that. And, and I, th I thought Margot looked, the, you know, the, the I always knew I wanted to do that, as long as I could cast an actress who looked enough like Sharon <laughs> to pull it off, so it wasn't like this, what the fuck, thing. All right, and uh, and uh, and and Margot uh, Margot did, so I thought it was I was just fine. Margot had questions about it. She goes, everybody's just gonna think, who the fuck is that? All right, you know, and I go, no, 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 they won't, they won't. I I, I guarantee you, I, uh, they won't. And uh, uh, but also it it it. Um, I, I think that movie is is rubbish, <laughs> The Wrecking Crew, but um, but she's wonderful in it. She's so sweet in the film, and she's so funny. And one of my favorite little moments in watching it with an audience is when you're watching The Wrecking Crew and that scene where she kind of runs out to meet Dean Martin and she falls and does her pratfall. She gets a laugh in the theater. All right, in our theater, she gets a laugh. It, it always, yeah, and it always makes me feel like really good that Sharon gets her own laugh in it and uh, um, you know one of the things about using Sharon about but having even the whole Sharon Tate character in this movie and the way it all the way it all ended up working out that I could not be more pleased about I could not be more happy about is it just it just moves me so much is the fact that for so long when people have heard the name Sharon Tate, they've only thought about the way she died. <laughs> she simply is a person that you know as a murder victim, and that is how she has been defined. And I don't think that's the case anymore. 
I don't think people just think about her as a murder victim now. I think they think of her as a person now, and that really makes me feel good. Uh, give it up for Quincy Jones so you know. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, mate. <laughs>